Hey everyone, welcome to the Bold Moves Only podcast. For today's episode, we have Will Rankin, who is a part of the FarmLink Project, a grassroots movement created by college students who are horrified at the images of millions of pounds of food being thrown away that were meant for restaurants and cafes and schools that closed due to the pandemic, while simultaneously seeing tens of thousands of people waiting hours in line at food banks where supply was beginning to run low. I think that it's incredible what they have created, finding a way to make an impact on the consumer and producer side, who are both facing severe issues. This is yet another case where the pandemic has exacerbated and shined a big light on issues that have already been persisting throughout the country. And again, it is highlighting how these problems disproportionately affect certain communities. And we do go into that a bit in the interview. So here is my interview with Will from the FarmLink Project. Hello. Hey, Will. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining the Bold Moves Only podcast. Yeah, happy to be here. So why don't we start off with you telling us what is the FarmLink Project and what is your role? Yeah, so the FarmLink Project started in uh, April of 2020, um, this past year, when my friends from the Brown Water Polo team and their friends from high school who go to Stanford got sent home from college. Um, They were sitting at home, bored, frustrated trying to figure out what to do with their lives they kept seeing on the news all these stories about you know farms throwing away surplus food because restaurants had been closed so they they lost their contracts and uh you know they just decided to go out and and do something about that so they raised a little money uh rented a a u-haul um went to an egg farm and picked up i think ten thousand eggs um and just drove it to their local food bank that they volunteered with growing up and uh, that was kind of the inception of FarmLink. Since then, we've grown to, I think, 140 active members, and we have delivered 5 million pounds of food. And it's kind of just been blowing up. It's been really amazing because, you know, everybody we talk to is excited about helping us, excited to, you know, contribute in any way they can. And it's it's really, uh, it's been awesome. And uh, my job specifically, I've, I'm working on the uh, volunteer community. So we have 140 people on our team right now, but we have another 2,000 who have reached out to help um, in some way or another. So my job is to find um, ways to involve these people without, you know, adding to our management's stress because they're, you know, 10 college kids trying to manage 140 people. So it's uh, it's been fun. There's an overwhelming amount of support, but it's it's yeah, it's hectic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. Um, So talking about like all those people that are kind of coming together, almost really creating a movement, like how important has that been for the success of this project? It's been the whole, the whole project that that, that movement, the the grassroots energy here is is been why we're doing so well. You know, the media outlets pick up our story because it's a feel good story about you know, college students stepping up and working together to help people. And they, you know, that is that is amplified our message and brought even more people in. And then every time it happens, we have another, you know, couple hundred people that reach out to help. 
and reach out to donate and like reach out to, you know, connect us to their local food bank. And, uh, you know, it kind of is just organically grown really quickly. So I, I read the New York Times article that was mentioned that kind of inspired this project or that was partially what inspired the project. And it was just talking about how much how much food was actually being thrown away. Uh, I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you could shed a light on how much was actually and is actually being thrown away. Yeah. Um, you know, I forget the exact number, but around 40% of the food produced in the U.S. doesn't make it into anybody's stomach. It just gets thrown away. And so now it's, you know, probably higher, but at the same time, farmers are also planting less and adjusting to that change. So I think the uh, what was initially our, our big thing was finding all these surpluses from contracts that had been cut um, will probably slow down as, as, you know, farmers adjust to the new system as well. But, but yeah, it's, it's in the billions of pounds. It's, it's really uh, shocking and, and, and frustrating to see. So for example, there's one farmer up in Idaho, his name's Doug Hess. And I, I had the pleasure of driving out to Idaho with one of our teammates to meet him and, and see a, a potato shipment through. But he had 1.5 million pounds of potatoes that were just sitting in a shed in his on, on his farm. Because normally he sells to other farmers that then grow potatoes with his seed potatoes. But they aren't planting right now because they're expecting that they won't have any demand, you know, two months from now. So he got stuck with all these like million, literally over a million pounds of potatoes. And we, you know, have have since helped him get those off his hands. But that's happening, you know, across across the country at almost every farm that serves any sort of big commercial project like hotels, most restaurants, school cafeterias, like all of that stuff is just a massive amount of food that normally goes out to you know students and people um, that's just kind of sitting in fields right now. So I read that most farmers are actually living harvest to harvest. Mm-hmm. And so I'm aware that there's federal aid to the agriculture industry. But can these, like, can these farms even sustain themselves without the help of projects like yours? And yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the big problem here is that most farms need each harvest to turn a profit or they're going to go under uh, most small farms, at least there are these big corporation farms that have, you know, massive um, systems that, that, you know, they won't fail because they're, they own a large amount of land and they, they produce enough food to stay afloat, even if their main contracts get cut. But yeah, there are, there are small farms across the country that without some assistance right now are teetering on the edge of, of going under. And uh, the federal assistance program was great. And it, it, was a, it was a quick response, like got a lot of money out to farmers in need. But if you look a little deeper into it, you see that a lot of the money went to the bigger corporate farms and, and big system farms and left a lot of the smaller farmers hanging. So we're trying to fill that gap as much as we can. But it's, yeah, it's tough. It's a big need. And do you do you think that it's time that we start rethinking the supply chain um, and be more prepared for moments like these? Like, how can we create a better supply chain that can be better for the smaller farmers and that can feed more people? Yeah, that's a great question. 
Um, you know, I'm not sure anybody really has the answer to how to completely rebuild it, but you know, there's got to be something different than what we had in the past because these the the system didn't really leave any room to get you know these these farmers out of trouble and and if if the government hadn't stepped in there would be massive farms that had gone bankrupt they stepped in and saved the big ones but now there are small farms that are going to fall fall out and then the big farms are just going to buy up their land and become bigger so i i 100 agree that there needs to be you know some sort of change made on a systemic level to support these smaller farmers and, and encourage local, you know, local, local farms to provide food to their local food banks. And that's, that's a big part of what um, our long-term mission is, is to, you know, connect local farms with local food banks to get, keep the food in the community and make sure that everybody is fed. Yeah. So, so now let's shift a bit and talk more about the lack of access to healthy quality food for Americans, especially now amid the, mm-hmm. the crisis. Could you touch upon like what, what is food insecurity and how, how prevalent is it in the United States? Yeah, food insecurity um, essentially just means that you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. At some point over the past month or week, there's been a, a question mark there. You know, you're not sure how you're going to feed yourself or your family. And with coronavirus, the amount of food secure insecurity in the U.S. has gone up tremendously. I think it was around, you know, under 15 percent, but 10, 10 to 15 percent of people beforehand. And now it's up to nearly 20 percent of all Americans aren't aren't sure where their next meal is going to come. And so it's it's really yeah, it's the, the coronavirus and the closures and all that have really impacted food insecurity in a massive way. And uh you know, it disproportionately affects people in low socioeconomic status communities. And that that is, you know, it's, it's really a problem because they're the ones who got laid off when, you know, all these service industry places got closed. So it's 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 kind of this cycle that's that's just, you know, keeping people in a pretty bad place. Right. I was I was actually thinking about that cycle and just kind of how, you know, food insecurity can lead to these chronic illnesses that can lead mm-hmm. to you potentially being severely ill from the coronavirus. And I was just, you know, I was just reflecting upon that. That's, that's a huge thing. Cause, cause in the, they call them food deserts. Um, and that's the, there are these places where it's, there are no like grocery stores within a certain mile radius. And when that happens, pretty much the only type of food that those, that people in those communities can get are, you know, fast food, cheap food, and like really, really unhealthy food. And you're not going to find good produce or really anything particularly healthy. And yeah, so that just that plays into lower health, which then makes them higher risk for things like this, things like coronavirus. And yeah, it's, it's terrible. And where in the US are you finding the most need for better food access? The, the, community that I've found that has been hit the hardest is the uh, Navajo Nation community. They have the highest COVID rate of any area in the United States. I forget what the number is, but it's it's significantly higher than, than anywhere else. And they, you know, are already, you know, a community that's historically been disenfranchised by the American government. And, you know, they're really not well supported. And uh, yeah, so we've we've done a few deliveries with them and, and done our best to try to you know, fight that how we can. But, you know, communities of color in general tend to be the ones that get left, um, left behind 
with with a lot of these programs. And do you think that the FarmLink project can really address these disparities even in the slightest bit? And like, how is it important for us to start better preparing and putting communities in a position so that they don't suffer disproportionately during a crisis such as this? Because for all we know, it could happen again. Yeah, I mean, do I think FarmLink's going to eliminate the problem? Definitely not. Um, but but I, I do think that anybody can can take a stand and make a difference on any scale and it's worth doing, you know, like there's no silver bullet. There's no magic bullet. That's just going to eliminate, you know, all of the systemic problems that have been built into this country for hundreds of years. But, you know, if we've seen anything over these last couple of weeks with the protests and the, you know, the activity going on in this country, you, you know, that, you know, people standing up and acting to do something is, is the only way that anything's really going to get done. So, we're working to do our do as much as we can to fight it. I know that people across the country are, are doing their best. As far as if this were to happen again, you know, would would we be in a better place? I'd like to think that, you know, we'll we'll plan ahead next time and, and have a system ready for when the next pandemic comes if there is another one. But that's yeah, that's a tough question to answer. I'm not right. sure. Yeah. <laughs> do do you see the model that FarmLink the FarmLink project has created as being the future in a way? Like, do you see this as something that continues even after the pandemic settles down, if it ever does? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do. I think um, this kind of this grassroots movement is something that doesn't have to stop when coronavirus stops. Not that that's going to happen anytime soon, like you said. <laughs> um, but there, there's... Like I said earlier, there forty percent of the food in this country is thrown away on a on a normal day. So there's there's no real limit to you know the amount of need. Like the the the, the problem is gonna is not going away. And I think that creative solutions and movements like this are what will move that issue in the right direction. So you know I think going out of coronavirus, it's gonna shift towards saving food from hotels and restaurants and stadiums at the end of the day because they you know they throw away a good amount of food every day just as part of their normal operations so that's that's probably where a good amount of the the food rescue will have to come following this but yeah i think i think a system where you know the the people and the farmers are directly linked is is the future i think a system where the farmers are providing the food directly to the people without these massive um, corporations acting as middlemen is is really where things need to go if we ever want to have an equitable food system. What what kind of responses have you guys been getting from these farmers? Oh, they've been amazing. We've we've gotten nothing but positive responses from the farmers. They are you know the backbone of the country, and they're you know truly great people. They're they're out here growing food because they want to feed people, and that's that's it. You know that's their life's purpose. And when they when they have to throw their crops away because a contract got canceled, they are more upset than anybody. You know, they're the, that's the last thing that any farmer ever wants to do is waste food. So every time we call a farmer, whether or not they have a surplus, they've been more than happy to talk to us. They've been extremely friendly and helpful in helping us learn about the food landscape. And you know, they they appreciate the help. You know, everybody everybody could use a hand right now, and they they definitely they've been great. And 
what are like what are, what are your goals? How how much do you think that you can really expand this? Yeah, our goals right now, um, we have moved five million pounds in our first three months. So our goal for the end of August is to hit fifteen. This whole time, we've kind of been following an exponential growth curve, just kind of skyrocketing as as we add people, as we raise more money, we just continue to increase the speed that we move food. And so we're, we're hoping that trend continues and we'll be able to take this five and, you know, turn it into 15. And then by the end of November, I think the goal is 25. And, you know, hopefully going forward, that'll be kind of our standard, a couple million pounds a month, um, just just cranking cranking it out. When school starts up again, there's going to be a few less hands on deck, but there are plenty of people on the team that are, are planning on staying on throughout next semester and, and into the future. So there's that FarmLink isn't going anywhere, and we hopefully will be able to make an impact in the you know 10 to 20 to 100 million pounds of food delivered over the next year. That sounds so casual, millions, millions and pounds of food, but that's, <laughs> that is, oh, that's a ton. <laughs> Yeah, it's it it kind of you don't realize how much food it is because a million a million pounds of potatoes is just like what that means nothing to anybody. Nobody's seen that. But when I when I walked into that that shed at at Doug's farm in Idaho and saw that like saw a million pounds of potatoes sitting in a shed, it it was insane. Like literally, it's it's a ten foot tall like mountain that just fills back like twenty feet and just fills this whole like grain silo with just potatoes and potatoes and potatoes it was it was wild and so this yeah talk about you know we've moved five million pounds and i you know i i have to take a second and and think about that because you know i I did say that pretty casually but it is a huge huge accomplishment and we're you know amazing we're we're so proud and so thankful for everybody who's helped us get this far and how can anybody help you and get involved now uh, with the farm link project yeah i mean the easiest way is always a donation we there's no such thing as too much money every every dollar we get is going to help us deliver 10 pounds of food um so that's that's the first and easiest way you can help um beyond that following us and liking our stuff and sharing our stuff on social media is great amplifying our message that way and then if you want to get involved we have a um, community page on Facebook called FarmLink Community, and that's kind of where we're communi- uh, communicating with external volunteers to uh, get them involved in uh, deliveries, get them involved in fundraising, get them involved in outreach, um, all the other p- pieces of what make FarmLink happen. Awesome. And finally, something I like to ask everyone, if you could give advice to someone who really wants to make a positive impact on their community or the world, but doesn't know where to start, what would you tell them? I would say just get out and do something. Go to your local food bank, call call a, you know, call your city council and see what, what volunteer opportunities there are, organizations that operate in your town, and, you know, find, find a way to get out into your own community and do something. A lot of people like to act on social media, and they feel like that's, you know, impactful, and you know, it does it, amplifying people's messages and, and spreading the word is great, but nothing replaces actual action, actually getting out and doing something. So that, that's what I would say. Just get out there and, and do anything. It doesn't really matter what it is. Oops, pick up some trash. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Honestly, I'm pretty surprised. Every time I, I ask that question, everybody is 
is really on top of it. Like they've, they've, they've always got something good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining me. Thanks for taking the time to be on the Bold Moves Only podcast. Uh, good luck with everything at the FarmLink project. Yeah, thank you, man. I really appreciate uh, you having me. This is exciting. I was digging around the website and uh, just kind of reading a little more last night, and it's it's really cool. Okay, thank you to Will for joining the podcast. I hope you all go and support the FarmLink project. You can find out more information on their website, thefarmlinkproject.org. You can find them on Facebook, follow them on the gram, at farmlinkproject. Throw them a few dollars too. You know, Will said $1 gives them the ability to transport 10 pounds of food. Now that's uh, some big bang for your buck if I've ever seen one. So have a great day and let's be bold. <laughs>